It's a beautiful old Irish Christian melody. I tried to see if Hannah would uh, sing that with her best Irish accent. Maybe next time. Well, God is so good, isn't he? He is so good to us all the time. One Sunday morning, a little girl went to church, and her Sunday school teacher had a little craft for them to do. She had the kids make a little plaque, and there were four words on that plaque. Have faith in God. And so the little girl loved those four words, have faith in God, and she got out her crayons and markers and was decorating that with her absolute best artistic talent. And she was so proud of that, she took her little have faith in God plaque home and showed it to her mom and dad after church. And she says, I'm going to show my friends tomorrow at school. And so she was so excited to take her little plaque to school. And you know what happens sometimes on a Monday morning with school-age kids. She accidentally slept in a little too much. And so she quickly got ready and grabbed her backpack and grabbed her lunchbox. And she ran out the door and barely caught the school bus in time. And she finds a seat on the school bus, sits next to one of her buddies, and she opens up her backpack to show her little Have Faith in God plaque. And she looks through her backpack, and it's not there. And she realized she had left it on her bed. So by this point, when she realized that, the bus driver had already pulled away from the curve, but she was frantic. She jumps out of her seat on the bus, runs to the front of the bus, and yells to the bus driver, Stop the bus! I lost my faith in God. I think he stopped the bus. Here we are today after a month and a half of this message series as we've been making our way through Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. And I certainly hope that no one in the room would say, over this last month and a half, I've lost my faith in God. And I certainly hope that it's quite the opposite, that all of us who have been here, even if you've just caught a few of those Sundays, would say, you know what, I have gained faith in God. Or I have had my faith in God strengthened during this last month and a half. These messages are available on our website, greaterimpact.cc. If you want to go back and review some of these messages, I encourage you to do so in your free time. Also, if you have a family member or friend that you know would be blessed by some of these messages on faith, I encourage you to refer them to the website. We also make a few CDs each week of the prior Sunday's message. Those are available back at the Welcome Center. If we can help with continuing to spread the message about faith in God to others, we want to do that. Amen? So at this point, please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. If you didn't bring your Bible with you today, try to bring that with you next week. Uh, or we can send you home with a Bible if you don't have one today. But in the meantime, you can grab one of those blue Bibles from the rack in front of you. Hebrews 11.32, you'll find on page 1192 in one of those blue Bibles. And we also have copies of the message notes at the end of each aisle. So if you're sitting uh, next to the uh, aisle there, if you would take one of those copies of the message notes and then take the others and pass them down to those in your row, uh, that will give you some blanks to fill in and some place to jot down some notes as we dive into this important message today about sacrifice and reward. So we're in Hebrews chapter 11. We'll be starting in verse 32. If you're there, say amen, please. Here we go, starting in 32. And what more shall I say? I I do not have time to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. 
who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. May God bless us as we study His Word today. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank You for blessing us with the ability to have faith in You. We thank You for calling us to trust You because You are so trustworthy. Lord, teach us today how to walk by faith in the midst of those rewards. And teach us to walk by faith, especially during the seasons of suffering. Because, Lord, you call us to stand firm, regardless of whether we are in the valleys or up on top of those mountains. Teach us, O God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. By the time we get to verse 32 of this chapter, the writer of Hebrews has already talked about a lot of the greatest heroes of faith from the Old Testament. Uh, He's already talked a little bit about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and his wife Sarah and Moses. And as this great faith chapter draws to a close, he quickly mentions six more heroes of the faith from the Old Testament. He starts in verse 32 by mentioning four faith heroes from the book of Judges. He mentions uh, Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Of those four, I'm guessing most of you in the room recognize two of those. Uh, First of all, we've got Gideon. Gideon, remember, was kind of the scaredy cat of Israel. He was not your typical born leader, was he? But God called him to lead the Israelites against the Midianites. And he was the one that carried out God's wacky military strategy to take 300 men and surround the camp of their Midianite enemies. And they would break pitchers and they would lift up the torches and they would blow their trumpets, and they would shout. That's a very odd military strategy. But you know, God caused this panic to go across the Midianite army. And 300 men started the war that took the lives of somewhere around 100,000 Midianites. They were way outnumbered, but it didn't matter because he walked in faith, and God blessed him walking in faith. Uh, Many of you, probably all of you, have heard of Samson. That great strong man of Israel, probably the strongest man who has ever lived on one occasion, he single-handedly killed a thousand Philistine enemy soldiers. How does one man kill a thousand on his own? Uh, Bruce Lee couldn't even do that. But Samson was because he was walking in faith. He had a life where he messed up a lot, but he did walk in faith and God blessed that faith. And then Barak and Jephthah, two guys, maybe you don't remember them, but they're also in the book of Judges. Barak was the judge who in Judges chapter 4 refused to lead the troops of Israel in battle unless the prophetess Deborah went with him. He was a little scared to go without his female partner. 
And so Deborah said, okay, I'll go with you, but all the credit's going to go to a lady instead of to you. And he said, fair enough, I want you to be with me. And so he gets kind of an honorable mention here in Hebrews 11. He had faith, but not as much as he should. And then finally, Jephthah. Jephthah, interesting story, also talked about in Judges. He was actually the son of a prostitute. But God raised him up to lead his people in battle against the Ammonites. So the writer of Hebrews highlights these four men of faith, Samson and Barak and Gideon and Jephthah. And then in verse 32, the writer of Hebrews mentions King David and the prophet Samuel. They too were faith heroes, but they weren't, there wasn't sufficient time to say much about them, so he just kind of glosses over them rather quickly. Next in verses 33 through the first half of 35, the writer illustrates this one really powerful point. I want you to jot this down on your message notes. Powerful point he makes in verses 33, 34, and the first part of 35. The obedient faith of these Old Testament faith heroes brought them great rewards. Their obedient faith walking brought them great rewards. And in fact, he mentions nine of these rewards that came on the heels of faith. Starting in verse 33, he says, They conquered kingdoms, they administered justice, and then they gained what was promised. Then he says, verses 33 and 34, they shut the lion's mouths, they quenched the fire's flames, they escaped the sword. And then finally, in 34 and 35, he says, their weakness was turned to strength. They became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies, and women received back their dead. God wants us to understand that when we put our faith in Him, our faith brings blessings from God. Amen? Our faith brings blessings from God. Now, these nine samples of blessings that God brought to men and women of faith are not guaranteed for every man and woman of faith, are they? But they are wonderful historical examples of what God did to reward those who trusted Him. And as I look at this list of nine in verses 33 through 35, I kind of get excited about the thought, what if God did this in my life? What if God did this in your life? What if He did it in our lives? Uh, What if, like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we were literally surrounded by flames and God delivered us through those flames because we were walking by faith. And as we came out of that fire, we didn't even smell like smoke. Wouldn't that be cool? What What if God did in our lives like He did in Daniel's life? We're in a situation, maybe we're doing ministry in Africa, and all of a sudden the lions surround us. And we know we're going to be their appetizer because, you know what? I can't fill up this whole pack of lions. I'm not big enough. But all of a sudden, God shuts the mouths of the lions because I'm walking in faith. Wouldn't that be cool? Uh, What if God administered justice through us? Uh, What if He allowed us to conquer those kingdoms that stand against God? What if He was able to do some of these things through us just like He did in days of old? It's great to think about the amazing rewards that God can bring when we walk by faith. Faith, remember, this definition we've had before us, over this past month and a half, true Bible faith is confident obedience to God's Word in spite of circumstances or consequences. And all of these heroes of the faith mentioned in Hebrews 11 confidently obeyed God regardless of the circumstances or the consequences, and God has called you and me to do the same. So the first point in this message, it's important to understand that when we walk by faith, God will reward us. Amen? He will reward us. But now there's the second part of this passage we read, starting in the second half of verse 35. Something interesting happens halfway through verse 35. 
God's word makes this shift from the rewards of faith to the suffering of faith. From the rewards of faith to the sacrifices of faith. You see, many men and women of faith experience these miraculous healings and deliverances during their lifetimes. But many others suffered and died, didn't they? How many do you find in the Old Testament were delivered from lions in a lion's den? I only know of one. Only one man delivered from lions in a lion's den. That was Daniel. How many men in the Old Testament do you read about, or women for that matter, who were in the middle of a fiery furnace that was heated up like ten times hotter than normal, and they didn't even smell like smoke when they came out? I only know of three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so even those great men of faith in the Old Testament, it's not like God blessed every man and woman of faith with those same rewards. Many, as they make so clear here in Hebrews 11, many suffered in pretty big ways. Some of those faith heroes of the Old Testament were tortured and refused to be released. Uh, The prophet Micaiah and the prophet Jeremiah come to mind. They were tortured and refused to be released. Other faith heroes faced criticism and flogging, while others were, were chained and put in prison. Some were stoned to death with rocks. Others were sawed in two. Can you think of a single person in the Old Testament who was sawed in two? There's not an example given in the Old Testament, but you know what? There's some extra biblical evidence that the prophet Jeremiah died that way. The prophet Jeremiah, as best as we can tell, was literally sawed in half. What a terrible way to go. But he did that as he was walking in faith. Other faith heroes were impaled with swords. Others, as the writer of Hebrews says, were dirt dirt poor and had to dress in sheepskins and goatskins. Many were persecuted and mistreated. Many wandered in deserts and mountains, lived in caves and holes in the ground. You look at what's described in those verses, not very pleasant stuff, is it? But they did that in faith. All this to say walking in faith has never been and never will be a walk in the park. Walking in faith is never a walk in the park, is it? True Bible faith does bring certain rewards, but it also brings certain sacrifice and certain suffering. I want you to write this down on your notes because this is really important. Please don't ever forget this. Living out faith in God will always cost you something. Living out your faith in God will always cost you something. Always cost you something. Jesus said in John 18, verse 33, excuse me, John 16, verse 33, He said, in this world you will have trouble. One chapter earlier in John 15, 18 through 20, Jesus said, If this world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. You think you're better than Jesus? It hated him first. He goes on to say, if you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. But as we saw in the last few weeks, as Christians, we don't belong to this world, do we? Jesus says, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And then over in 1 Peter 4, uh, Peter, the apostle, says this. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are actually blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God. 
that you bear that name. Amen? So these are not pleasant descriptions that Christians will endure in their walk of faith, are they? Jesus makes it so clear. In this world, we might have trouble. He said, there's a good chance you'll have trouble. No, what does he say? In this world, you you will have trouble. There's no condition on that. He says, you will have trouble. Jesus makes it clear that this is an alien planet for those of us who follow him. He says, you and I will have trouble. There's a really good chance that the world will hate us because it hates him. There's a really good chance that the world will persecute us and make us suffer in one way or another. So you and I have to ask ourselves a very important question. And here's that question. You and I, if we walk in faith, must ask ourselves, knowing that in some ways following Christ will make my hard life even harder, will I obediently follow Him anyway? Will I walk in faith anyway? To fill in those blanks, Will I trust Him and confidently obey His Word anyway? Knowing that following Jesus and walking by faith will make my hard life even harder. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we had that message about this world not being our home. In this world we have cancer. And cancer strikes non-Christians and Christians. In this world there's heart disease. It strikes Christians and non-Christians. In this world there is divorce. In this world there is pain. In this world, there's plenty of joint issues and plenty of illnesses and plenty of disease. In this world, we have great men of God like Alan that are in a wheelchair and non-Christians that you may not want anything to do with that are also in wheelchairs. In this world, we will have trouble. And that trouble and that suffering comes regardless of your faith. But Jesus wants us to understand in some ways that difficulty gets harder when we follow Him. There's no way around it. Living out your faith in God will always cost you something. Walking in faith requires sacrifice. And some of these sacrifices that we deal with in life are going to be spontaneous. You don't expect ahead of time that you're going to have to make a decision of faith. They just come spur of the moment. At other times, you'll be able to have a little more premeditated decision about what you're going to do. Sometimes at work, you might have a coworker or a boss come up to you and say, I need you to do this, and you don't have any time to decide whether or not you're going to do it. You have to decide in that moment if you're going to walk by faith or walk by sight instead. Sometimes your spouse may come and give you an ultimatum, and you don't have time to come up with a, a way to respond to that ultimatum. You need to walk in faith immediately. Sometimes it's a child that's grown and thinks they know it all and tries to tell you what to do. Sometimes it's a parent. Sometimes, yeah, that one is kind of funny, I agree. Sometimes it might be a neighbor or a best friend that draws the line in the sand. Sometimes we don't have a lot of time to make this decision. And I want you to know, when those times come and your faith is being tested and God is asking you to walk by faith, you in that moment have to make that decision. Am I going to obey Him and walk confidently in His Word? I'm here to tell you this entire chapter of all the faith heroes, all the faith men and women here in Hebrews 11, when that challenge of faith is coming your way, they will rise together and say, go for it. Take a stand for Jesus Christ. Walk confidently in obedience to Him, regardless of the circumstances and in spite of the consequences. Oh, you've got some cheerleaders in this chapter, believe me. You've got cheerleaders in this chapter because remember, faith does not die when the body dies. 
All of these here in Hebrews 11 continue to live by faith today in 2019. Their bodies have died long ago, but their soul and spirit live on in the presence of God and they are cheering you on. Whether it's a spontaneous decision you need to make to walk in faith or whether you have some time to make that decision. Sometimes God might come and ask you to do something in the evening like he did with Abraham and say, I want you to go and sacrifice your son. He asked him to do that. I don't know of anyone else he asked to do that in Scripture. But when he asked you to walk by faith, Abraham had all night long to decide whether or not he was going to walk in obedience. And remember what he did first thing in the morning. Before dawn, he was up getting ready to walk in faith. God may provide the same type of opportunities for you when you have some time to make that decision. And those heroes of the faith will arise just the same and say, go for it. Walk by faith and not by sight. They're cheering you on, church, all through your journey of faith. And so we have, first of all, that reward that comes when we make a decision to follow Christ. We saw some of those rewards starting in verse 32, didn't we? And then after that comes the sacrifice. And then third is more reward. Notice how the chapter ends. Living out your faith in God will always cost you something. But you know what? Not living out your faith in God will cost you even more. Did you catch that? Living out your faith in God will cost you something. But not living out your faith in God will cost you even more. Take another look at the second half of verse 35. It says, others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. No suffering we endure for Christ is in vain. No pain that we endure is in vain. None of it. Now look at verses 39 and 40. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. I love how the Living Bible translates verse 40. It says it this way, For God wanted them to wait and share the even better rewards that were prepared for us. Think about this. When you walk by faith, you're never walking alone. Amen? You're never walking alone. When you walk by faith, and whether it's your boss that's challenging your faith, or your best friend, or your spouse, or your kids, or your parents, or your next-door neighbor, when you are making a decision to confidently obey God and walk by faith, this church has got your back. You've got a church family here that's on the same page that you are. We want to walk by faith too, amen? And it's not just Impact Christian Church. Across this valley are great churches filled with Christians that are following God's Word as well. And they've got your back because we're a church family. And across this nation and across this world, there are those who have your back and they're cheering you on as you walk by faith. And as we've already seen, all of the faith heroes of ages past have got your backs too. And they're cheering you on. So never think that when you take a stand for faith and the devil is whispering in your ear, you're all alone. You're by yourself. No one cares. No one agrees with you. In fact, they think you're crazy. When he whispers in your ear, you slap him back and say, you better believe that I've got an army on my side. The army of the living God. You've got a family. You've got a family that's got your back. It's a powerful reality from this chapter. In this world, you and I will experience insults and trials and persecution for our faith. But on the front end, before the persecution and suffering comes, we get rewards on the front end, don't we? 
As soon, in the, in the very moment we give our life to Christ, we are blessed with salvation, the forgiveness of sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. In that moment we are saved, we are blessed with those things before the persecution, the suffering, the trials ever come. But then once we have, think of it as that kind of that bottom bun on a sandwich, once we have that initial reward, then that suffering, the trials, the difficulties come, that's kind of like the meat on the sandwich. But once you deal with that suffering and that heartache and those trials, guess what comes on top of it on the back end of our lives? The greatest rewards you could ever imagine. Chapter and verse, you have one there, Pete? On the front end of our Christian faith, there is reward. On the back end of our Christian faith, there is reward. The gift of heaven, eternal life in the presence of the God who created us and loves us more than life itself. We get to be with all those who have gone before us. No pain, no heartache, no disease, no cancer, no trouble, no funerals, no memorial services, no lawyers. No, I like to slip that one in, but there's probably some lawyers up there. None of the stuff that stinks here on earth is going to be there. And so it's like a reward sandwich. We get rewarded on the front end. We get rewarded on the back end. And God shoves some suffering and trials in the middle of those two slices of bread just to keep things interesting. But you think about it, man, compared to eternity, the trials that we deal with here in this world are just so minuscule compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ forever and ever and ever in eternity. God rewards us on the front end and on the back end of our faith journey. Our lives of faith are like that reward sandwich with just a little bit of suffering in between. Now, it's decision time here on Decision Sunday at Impact Christian Church. And there are three key decisions that I believe God has laid on my heart to share with you today. And I want to start with the number one decision, the most important decision that anyone could ever make this side of heaven. And that's the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, to turn from your sin and get baptized. That's the most important decision you could ever make to put Jesus Christ in the driver's seat of your life. Most people choose to reject Jesus Christ in this life. It's the most commonly chosen path in this world. The path of saying, no thank you, Jesus, and turning our backs on Him. That is oftentimes the most popular decision because it is the path of least resistance. Or at least it appears to be. It's the path of least resistance. The path that steers clear of following Jesus Christ. Do you know what Jesus calls the path of least resistance? He calls it the wide road that leads to destruction. The wide road, as some translations put it, that leads to death. It's the most popular road that people on this planet take. The wide road, the path of least resistance, that leads to destruction. And Jesus says, I sure hope, I sure pray, I beg of you, do not take the wide road that leads to destruction. Take the narrow road that leads to life. And that narrow road is only through Jesus Christ Himself. I'm telling you, hell is a real place. And when the Bible says that the wide road leads to destruction, make no mistake about it, it is saying the wide road leads to hell. And hell will be filled with regrets. If you do not put Jesus Christ in the driver's seat of your life here on earth, 
while your heart is still beating and your lungs are still processing oxygen, it will be too late once you die. You will bow your knees before Jesus Christ. You will confess Him with your mouth, but it will be too late. And you'll have an eternity of regrets there in hell. I urge you, if you have never made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, make that decision today. I encourage you even right now to make that decision. I encourage you to stand up where you are and go to the back and talk to Skip or Eliza. Talk to one of our counselors back there. Talk to Alan if you like. And you let them know that I want to accept Jesus today. I want to leave this place today knowing that I'm saved and will go to heaven someday. The second important decision that we'll be making today, many of you are here and are excited about making this decision. It's the decision to become a member of Impact Christian Church. Many of you are here today, I'd say probably most of you are here as baptized believers and followers of Jesus Christ. But do you know that Jesus Christ is not a fan of Lone Ranger Christians? You know what? I go to church when I feel like it. I go to church when it's convenient. Jesus never gives those who walk in faith that option. The church is a family of all believers who follow Him. And this is not the only good church in the Victor Valley, but it is one of them. And if God has led you to this church and made it clear that this is your church home, where you are to attend each week, where you are to love God, where you are to learn His Word and serve others, then you need to make that decision to become a member of Impact Christian Church. We don't have a lot of hoops to jump through. If you're a baptized believer and follower of Jesus Christ and you support the mission and the teaching of this church and you're ready to say, you know what, I'm ready to decide to make it clear that I'm going to be a committed part of this church family. And I encourage you to make that decision. Similarly, I'd ask you just to stand up at some point in the next few minutes, go to the back and fill out one of those decision cards. Talk to one of our decision counselors back there. They'd love to talk to you about making that decision today. We'll have a moment in just about 10 minutes where we'll call up those that are becoming members of Impact today so they can be joining the church together. You see, God has called us to love, learn, and serve. And let me be honest with you, you can do those three things on your own. You can love God on your own by loving people, right? You can learn His Word on your own, and you can serve others on your own. But you will never be able to do it as well as you can with your family at your side. Amen? God calls us to do these three together. Also, The third decision today, and this, I think, involves every one of us who is a regular part of this church. And it involves your little card that is inside your little pouch in the chair in front of you. I'd like you all to go ahead and take that out right now, if you would, please. It says Decision Sunday at the top. Those of you sitting in the front row, they're sitting on your chair as well. But I'd like you to, to take that out right now. This third decision, I think, is so important. I introduced it to you last Sunday. Some of you may be wondering, is this one of those preachers that talks about money all the time? The answer is no. But God has laid it on my heart to share this with you this Thanksgiving season. And so the Decision Sunday card, it simply says this. It quotes 2 Corinthians 9, 7 at the top. Each of you should give. Let's actually read this together. In the box there, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. I want to thank the ten of you that read with me. Now let's all do it together. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Isn't that a great verse? 
It goes on to say, as we grow in our faith, our goal is to generously serve God and people with our three T's, our time, our talents, and our treasures. At this time, you not be, may not be able to give all three, but we encourage you to cheerfully give at least one. The first of those T's is your time. That is one of the most precious resources God has given you, your time. And God may be laying on your heart today, you know what? I want to give my time to Impact Christian Church each week. I want to serve. Maybe it's in our children's ministry. Maybe it's with our youth helping to give rides on Friday nights or something like that. Uh, Maybe it's helping on Tuesdays at our food pantries. We feed the homeless and feed those that are low income. Maybe it's helping with setup or breakdown on a Sunday morning. But I encourage you to put something down in that line if God's laying on your heart to give your time each week. The second T is your talents. It's one of the most precious commodities God has ever given you. Those skills, those abilities, those spiritual gifts that God has given you. And some of you make a pretty good living because of the talents God has given you and because of the education you've received. And so you're able to draw a paycheck on a regular basis because of those talents. What if today God was laying on your heart to give your talents to him? Maybe it's just one hour a week, but you say, you know what? God has gifted me in such and such a way, and I want to give this talent back to the Lord each month. And then the third T is treasures, giving a monthly tithe or offering. And you can fill in the blank there. Or, for those of you who are already giving to Impact Christian Church, maybe you want to make a special one-time Thanksgiving offering above and beyond what you'd normally give. And here at the end of this year, to say, I want to bless this church for the great ministry that it's doing. I believe God is calling every one of us in this room to make a commitment, make a decision with at least one of those three T's. Maybe you don't have much money to give, but you can give your time and your talents. Maybe God has blessed you financially and you can give that, but your time is limited. That's okay. Notice that there's no place on that card to put your name. I do not want your name on the card. This is between you and the Lord. And in a few minutes when we take the offering, I encourage you just to put that decision card right there in that offering bag as it comes by. And it's just between you and Him. Lord, I'm going to give back to you because you've been so good to me. I tell you, Christine and I in our marriage have tithe. Tithe literally means 10%. And we have tithed at least 10% over the last 20 plus years that we've been a part of this church. And there have been times when we both were working full-time and we had two full-time salaries with only two of us in our household, and we tithed. There have been, during most of those years, a pretty lean season where we had one full-time salary with six members in our family. We tithe still, even though it was a little tighter. My youngest daughter turns 10 years old today. So, And so those 10 years we have faithfully given, even though it was hard with a family of six. Now we're kind of in between. She has a part-time little side job, and I'm still full-time at the church. And whatever God has blessed us with, we've always been faithful to give back to Him. And you know what? God has always been faithful to meet every need that we have as a family. You see, when you give back to the Lord of your time, your talents, and your treasures, you know what? That shows that you trust God. It shows that you trust God with your finances. It shows Him that you trust Him to take care of your needs as you obediently give back to Him as He said to. And it also shows this. It shows that God is a priority to us. It shows that He's a priority because where you spend your time is where your priorities are. Where you use your talents show where your priorities are, and where you spend your money shows where your priorities are with your finances. I came across a story a few weeks ago from 
Pastor Blackaby, and he tells the story of a church he consulted with in the Midwest a few years ago. And so the pastor gave this challenge to the church, and here it was. He said, Abraham laid his son Isaac on the altar in faith. And I want you to ask yourself, what am I going to lay on the altar for God? And so over the next couple weeks, different people in church were coming forward and saying, I want to lay my car on the altar. I'm not signing my car over to the church, but I want to offer my car for rides for people that need to go to church. God bless me with this car. I want to use it for ministry. And people started giving rides to people to church. Others said, you know, God's blessed me with this house. I want to host a a home Bible study. And so that's what they did. They hosted a Bible study in their home. And different people came forward and were giving all these different things. And when this little push, this little campaign was over, there was a sweet little old lady in the church that came up and said, I've been really thinking and praying about what to give back to God. And I want to give back to Him the thing that's most important to me in my life. I want to give back to God my cat. And the, and the, the it's a true story. Pastor's kind of scratching his head, and he didn't want to burst her bubble. That is wonderful, sister. Thank you. That's a blessing. Uh, we're going to talk about how we can use the cat. So they get together in their staff meeting. How on earth are we going to use the cat? And so they decide to call a meeting. Of all those in the church that have pets that love those pets and want to put those pets to work for ministry. And they were shocked. They opened up the room on this weeknight, and all these people poured in, some of them with their dogs and cats in hand. And a few people had horses they wanted to somehow use for the Lord. And they started brainstorming, and they decided what they were going to do is start up a pet, a, a pet ministry where they would go into orphanages and go into convalescent homes and go into hospitals with these little encouragement pets to help brighten the days of those dealing with health issues. And so they started doing this, and within the year, with all the ministries going on with that particular church, that church became known in that town as being the church with the pets. And it all began with a sweet little old lady who was willing to lay her cat on the altar. And so I ask you today, what are you willing to give back to God? Something valuable, something important to you. Something to do with the time, talents, and treasures. What do you want to give back to God? What are you going to lay on the altar today? Let me pray with you. Lord, I lift up everyone who has made a decision for you today. I pray that they never forget this day, that they chose to walk in faith, that they chose to put you, Lord, so clearly as a priority with their time, their talents, and their income. And Lord, I pray that you would take each of these sacrifices that we give you, time, talents, and treasures, and use them for your best work here in the Victor Valley and around the world. And all God's people said, Amen.